right, welcome to Gear Talk, a Noria podcast. I'll be your host, Wes Cash. Here at Gear Talk, we are connecting reliability professionals with reliable information. I'm excited. We have Amy Moore with us today, and we're going to be talking about a topic that is very near and dear to my heart, and it's going to be talking the trades versus college degrees, and basically where are we sitting as a as a country? Where are we sitting in the in industrial market and everything else? So, Amy, one of the goals of this podcast is for our listeners and our viewers to understand a little bit of the individual. So, if you don't mind giving a little introduction about yourself, that'd be great. Okay. Well, again, my name's Amy Moore. I'm pretty new to Tulsa, um, and I have spent the last 10 years in education. I started out... Um, some people don't know, and it's kind of crazy being a dean now, that I got my GD out okay. of high school. So um, I did not graduate high school, but I'm about six months away from a doctorate. So anybody can make that leap if they want to. You know, education is important, but there's lots of different paths to oh, get to where you want to be. Absolutely. Um, so I started out working in a factory. Okay. Um, the factory changed and moved, and I lost my job. And I thought, what am I going to do? And my aunt said, you'll go to nursing school. And there was a trade school okay. about 30 minutes away that you could get your LPN in 12 months. And <clears throat> I signed up, uh, became a nurse, and I just kept going from there. You know, as I've overlapped my experience with my education, I've increased my degrees, but that's only because I've steered towards education. I would have never had to have an advanced degree to make good money in my field. No, that makes complete sense. And let's let's talk about a little bit of your experience because now, you know, dean dean of academic affairs, all of that that, that you're doing. So you're having these discussions with uh, maybe younger adults or maybe even older adults, right? That are either reinventing themselves or trying to get established somewhere in a career. What do those conversations usually look like? How do they typically start? And how do you, you know, sell them on an idea of hey, let's learn a trade, let's learn a skill or something like that that's going to make you useful. We uh, spend a lot of time with older adults transitioning out of maybe a field that's no longer um, making them good money or uh, fields are changing, mm -hmm. right? So maybe they've worked in um, an industry where they're no longer needed or yeah. things are automated and things of that nature. So there's a lot of grants and funds that will take those people and say, let's retrain you <clears throat> into a field that you can make money. Mm -hmm. And, and tech schools pick up a lot of those students. I would say the average, actually the last institution I was at, I did statistics and over 40% of our students were over the age of 35. Really? Um, they wanted that quick in, give me exactly what I need. Um, let me use my hands to learn and get back to work. Um, offering classes at night or in the afternoon that worked better for them. Absolutely. Um, we did have the what we call traditional students, which are directly out of high school. Sure. And um, those, what do we like to call them? Um, media natives, right? Okay. So the ones that, that know how to use all the canvas and the internet and everything that come in. And they benefit as well because um, who doesn't want to learn your trade, get your, your certificate, diploma, degree, or whatever you're going to get from that, mm -hmm. and be able to make money in, you know, 12 to 18 months? Sure. Now, that's on the, the student side. What about the employer side? Because I'm sure you interface with employers, maybe looking for people. What are they typically looking for? What do you hear? They are looking for people who are responsible and have good attendance. And I know that sounds crazy, but the most thing I've heard from employers, and we do what we call a um, program advisory committee. So 
this may be a little bit expanded on the topic, but if you're going to a small trade school, a lot of the accreditors that are used for those types of schools actually require that. <clears throat> so they say if you're going to offer, and let me just pick a, a program, um, HVAC. Okay. Right. Everybody okay. knows what HVAC is, right? So if I, you're, I did HVAC through college. Right. So this works. <laughs> you know, heating, ventilation, air conditioning, yep. right? So if you're going to offer HVAC for nine months mm -hmm. to a set of people in a certain industry in Tulsa, mm -hmm. you have to prove and show that you're meeting the, the standards of the industry that's in that area okay. and that there's jobs, mm -hmm. right? So you don't just get to enroll students. You have to provide or prove placement. Mm -hmm. Okay. At the end. Right? Yeah. There is a demand. There, Yeah. You have to prove that demand because if your placement falls below a percentage, then you can no longer offer that program in that area. Oh, okay. Yeah. So the creditors will say, done. Like you can't prove to us that the, you know, the money that you're, you're charging for the student to go through this mm -hmm. program is going to benefit them in the end. Sure. So that's some fail safes that have been put in place. I want to take a second to talk about Reliable Plant Conference. This is actually our 25th Reliable Plant Conference. It is going to be held at the Carib Royale Resort in Orlando, Florida, July 31st through August 3rd. Please come and join us for workshops, speaker sessions, keynotes. We have an exhibit hall with over 100 exhibitors in it to find the solutions that you need to improve your reliability program, your lubrication program, and to network with your peers. Learn from them understand what solutions they use to improve their program, come and learn from industry experts, from thought leaders, from people that are innovating in their reliability uh, programs, and we want to see you there. Remember, July 31st through August 3rd, and of course, you can go to conference.reliableplant.com for more information. That, that's really good. I mean, obviously, we want these these people to, to go out and get employment and build careers. I'll, I'll tell you from my experience, because I'm working with mostly industrial facilities and all through the United States, even up into to Canada. And this has been, you know, the last couple of years anyway. People are retiring at a high rate. Um, we don't have the people to backfill some of these positions. And the people that are getting backfilled may not have the, the background or any you know training or education. So they're actually offering, you know, paying for some of these trade schools. So what are you seeing in terms of maybe enrollment or maybe, you know, pull from the industry to get more and more people, qualified people out there? Um, so when I say program advisory committees, actually mm -hmm. In, um, hiring bodies or people in the industry in that field meet on those campuses annually. Yeah. That's a requirement. So when they're there, they're reviewing, you know, what are our students um, learning? What are the equipment are they training on? And um, giving us feedback on what we need to do better to make them more readily um, hireable once they've graduated. Right. Yeah. And one of the highest points that we're constantly hearing is um, professionalism. Sure. And learning, you know, how showing up on time all the time and the biggest thing that and I know it sounds crazy to be teaching somebody those things in a trade school that mm -hmm. is how to put your cell phone down ah, I got gotcha. you right? how um, you know to communicate in an effective manner you know showing up dressed appropriately for your trade even sure. in a uniform so when those students start class they're expected to show up like they're already a professional in that field mm -hmm. and that's been I've worked for um, three industries now and campuses that spread all the way into Canada mm -hmm. and almost every one I've worked for, we hear that same thing. Yeah. You know, it's great. You want to learn and use your hands um, and get out there and make good money. But if you don't know how to present yourself and how to speak and how to um, mitigate conflict and show up on time, put your cell phone down, those types of things are what's keeping people from being hireable. Sure. It's not the actual skill. 
It's their, um, even their nonverbal communication that's keeping them from being hired. No, I mean, that makes complete sense because there is an expectation. I want to ask you this question just because this tends to to rear its head. Um, Working in a factory or an industrial facility is dirty. It's dark. It's it's something that's a dead-end job or anything else. How would you respond? That they feel like it's a dead-end job. Sure. Oh, um, I would say that you're, you know, usually when people are going to work for in big factories and, mm-hmm. and industry, it's, you have to level the benefits of, you know, insurance and retirement and time off and all of those yeah. things that are going to be able to be offered to you um, at a bigger industry than maybe even going to work for some two people that own uh, um, an HVAC. Sure. You know, um, I, I started out there and honestly, um, even going back, I almost became a maintenance um, person yeah. at the age of 19. And I felt like it was steady work. I got used my hands. I was active throughout the day. And there's a lot to be said about completing a project and going home and feeling like you've done something. Sure. You know, today I sit in the office and review transfers of credit and look at people's, you know, and there's days that I go home and I'm just like, man, I don't feel like I've accomplished anything. What did I do? What did I do? Right. (laughs) But there is something to be said about doing something and completing that task and going home and feeling satisfied about Mm -hmm. it. And usually there's, like you said, opportunity within those bigger organizations. I, I find your story just absolutely fascinating, right? Of working in a factory, GED, all the way up to um, a doctor. Let's, we're going to call you doctor at this, yeah, at this a, point because you're close enough, I'm right? I'm called ABD, all but dissertation. All but ABD, <laughs> I like that. So, I mean, uh, why why do you use your story or how would your story be so impactful to, to someone else that may be saying, I don't know what I want to do with my life? You know, how could we get someone from, you know, on the sidelines into the game, you know, in industry or something like that? I've seen a lot of students that have come through and they've worked in fast food or they've, um, you know, done just the janitorial or, and not to say anything derogatory because that's, everything's needed, right? Oh, absolutely. And, like Work is noble. And CNA or something of that nature. And they feel like I've waited too long and that's not something I can do. Or I've been out of school for so many years. How can I make that work? I'm not going to understand how to do this, you know, um, I can show them like, you know, like I said, I'm literally, if you want to get down in the dirt about it, I'm a high school dropout, you know, like I literally dropped out of high school, but then I made that decision to, you know, this is, I'm going to have to have this to go to the next level. And, um, I've always said, I love my husband a lot, but I don't need him. Okay. You know, and he, I joke with him about that too. I'm like, I don't have to have anybody take care of me. And that was always my driving force. Okay. And so when I see people like that, I'm like, what do you, don't you want that like independence of knowing you know, that what I have, that certificate, even like my nursing license is literally a certificate. It's a diploma. It's not even a degree. Sure. You know, like when I went to go back for school, they were like, you don't even have an associate's degree. Right. You know, this is just a certificate. But like, this certificate, you know, now can make me $45 an hour. Yeah. Golden yeah. ticket is really yeah. kind of what <laughs> it know, is. I renewed my nursing license yesterday. Yeah. And I don't even work in nursing anymore because no matter what happens with my doctorate, my bachelor's, my master's, it doesn't matter if I don't have a job, I can always go back and work as that nurse. Sure. And I can always take care of myself. And you mentioned your your husband. You know, we talked a little bit before this. You talked about welding, right? I mean, this is so he is plying himself into a, a trade as well. Yeah. He um he was a a helper. He worked on the road, um, a job you don't require any kind of experience to get into and um, loved it. He loves working with his hands. Um, he actually works for the city of Broken Arrow. 
um, outside now, but um, he went to school for welding. And for many, many years, he was the one, you know, that took care of the family, but he was never home. But he can make, you know, more in six months than I can make in a year, yeah. you know, on his welding. It, I mean, there's so many jobs like that. Um, my dad was a maintenance uh, technician and maintenance foreman for a packing plant up in Dodge City, Kansas. And he provided for our family doing this. And, of course, there was mobility within that job because, you know, you start as a technician, foreman, then lead everything else of that nature. And I think it's important, you know, for that people take that step and, and get in there and not be afraid of it. Now, there's obviously programs out there that can help, you know, prepare you for that step. And I'm hearing you say, you know, timeliness, punctuality, you know, kind of professional uh, presence almost with that. I mean, is this something that, you know, comes with age or is this something that how do you how do you instruct that, I guess, in a school? We actually have classes and every college has a different name for it, but like critical thinking or career development. OK. Or <clears throat> we're actually teaching those things and talking about it, because if you think about and, and I'll use this one student as an example. Um, he was in his late fifties. Um, and I really don't remember exactly what he did. He worked in a factory of some sort. So he had a good mechanical background, um, come to school, finish his program, straight A's, perfect attendance, like all of these things, you know, just should be ready for success. But that thought of having to interview, filling applications out online, sure. all it, like you can't, Think about today, if you were to go to apply for a job, can you walk in to somewhere and apply for a job? Probably. I mean, I... I well, not very many places. Everything is There's online, many, I suppose, yeah. at this point. And even most big companies or industry or, you know, even even the smaller, um, like HVAC, I keep picking on that one, but even, <laughs> you know, those guys are going to say, okay, great, I'd love to hire you, but go back online and fill this out. Mm, or gotcha. send me, you know, this online. Um, you know, so that, email me something. Yeah, or, yeah. You know, so that career development or that critical thinking classes are teaching people like or even actually physically like assisting them with um, filling out those resumes or creating the resumes, filling out those job applications to get that um, and create kind of gapping that bridge um, and connecting them with employers, because I, I never imagined it would be an issue, but it really is. I Well, I mean, you can imagine because, I mean, they are going to be coming in from a all walks of life and everything else. Let's let's fast forward a, a little bit, you know, maybe in the next um, decade or so, you know, how do you think we are going to, to backfill so many positions? You know, I read one study that said it is like by 2035, like we'll be in the need of like 2.2 million people in skilled trades. Mm -hmm. How do we close that gap? That's a huge gap. I don't think the younger generation are really understanding the amount of um, income and stability they can receive from a trade. Yeah. So I read yesterday that by 2025, and that's what, two years from now, that yeah. there's going to be a, a gap of over 600,000 airplane mechanics that are going to be needed. Just airplane mechanics. That's just, We're talking just, one industry. Just airplane mechanics. And, you know, I can tell you that employers every day are trying to recruit students before they've even graduated. There's programs out there that if you want to be an airplane mechanic, that they will give you seniority in their company from the day you start school. So like you can go so and it's sign back, up. Backdated yes, almost. their seniority starts the day they start a program. That's not even saying they're going to be good to complete it. <laughs> so they need them that bad. They they come in with benefits and everything else from day one because they've now quote unquote worked for 
Yeah. I so mean, it's when maybe they a couple years, who yeah, knows? Yeah, they will be like that seniority number of how many people's quit, they will receive their benefits from that. Now, granted, they don't get to using their benefits until they graduate and start working for the company, but their sure. seniority starts day one. You know, there's a, a company that I met with yesterday that was offering brand new graduates straight out of school to sign with them six weeks before they graduated, $7,000 sign-on bonus and a $5,000 reload bonus, and a choice of six different bases they could go to. I mean, really? they could literally write their own ticket, but there was maybe 30 people there. Really? For that. So is, is, that, a, is that a function of marketing or is that a function of... How do we get more people to to know that some of these programs exist and to be excited about it? I mean, what what are you doing to to make it more well known? Um, you know, every school that I've worked for does a lot of open house outreach. Um, employer um, have employers come, you know, to the campus at the same time they're inviting students in and parents in, going to the high schools, you know, working with adult education. Sure. Right. Going there and, and people that are getting their GED or, or maybe um, even um, unemployment offices mm -hmm. too. you know, so here's a, a chance for you to be retrained into another field. I honestly can't wrap my mind around it. I'm honestly trying to get my husband to go back to school again because I'm like, this is crazy. The need is so huge. It, just to have that um, stability to know that I'm going to have any I can go anywhere I want. It's, it's so portable, right? Mm -hmm. When you when you. I mean, I'm going to call it own a trade, right? But I mean, when you have that, when you have the ability to do that, I mean, it is portable down the road. Um, nursing, a great example, right? We, we saw the, all of this through the pandemic of how how much of a need there was and how mobile some of those people became of going to hotspots or anything else that, that's needed. I, I can't couldn't agree with you more because different industries we service, right? Um, there is an economics impact, of course. I mean, we're in Oklahoma, right? Oil and gas, right? There's kind of boom and bust type things. So there are layoffs. But you see some of the people that learn something in one industry, it is incredibly transferable to, to other industries. We someone that's been a, a you know working on a, in an oil rig or maybe in the oil fields in some way, getting into a, a paper mill or something that is a, maybe a little bit more of a, a stable process or a have longevity in their relationship with the employer at that point. There comes with that a, a lot of benefits. Yeah, retirement package, good insurance, everything like that, and. It seems like, you know, what I what I hear in the news and everything is we're such a gig economy, right? Someone who just wants to do something for a couple of weeks, I guess. I, I don't know what that actually looks like. I've been at Nori now for 12 years. So, I mean, I guess I don't necessarily understand what this whole gig economy thing looks like. Do you do you see that quite a bit in your world as well? Yeah, I have. I've seen it a lot in nursing. I've seen it a lot in, you know, aero maintenance. I've seen it. Um, and what's happening is, is that there's such a shortage that you're so easily picked off to take somewhere else. Okay. You know, um, and people are so easily swayed by that number, you know, oh, I'm going to leave this job I've been at six months um, because this place is offering me $10 more an hour. But people aren't gaining that um, seniority. Um, they don't take benefits into, you know, factor of right. those types of things. You know, just to go back to airplane mechanic, you know, they're – they could write their own ticket. You know, there's three different industries where, you know, meeting with students over a, th 
a month period of time and each one had a bigger package, a bigger package. Um, the last guy was like, we just went to $36 an hour, but by next month we could be at 45. If you'll sign a contract with us telling us you'll work with us when you're done. Yeah. You know, so I, I mean, personally, I feel like that the move is because everybody's trying to offer something bigger just to stay functioning um, because there is such a shortage. Yeah. And Tulsa, our biggest employers are in the aerospace field, right? So, I mean, obviously people are always looking for, for good people in that, uh, that aspect of things. Now, if, if we're going to, to get into it and I mean, you had, you know, one big message that, that you wanted to get across as we're sitting in here and using kind of Nori as a platform, what, what would you think that'd be? What would we roll this conversation up to be? I just feel like, you know, there's always, um, there's good to be said about both, you know, going to tech school and going to a four-year institution, right? Um, the growth in the relationships that you develop in a four-year institution is what you're looking at. That's a networking. It's a long-term, right? Mm -hmm. But that's not for everybody. And we really got to understand that you can physically go somewhere, hands-on, be trained within 12 months and be making, you know, uh, paying a, a fifth of what you'd pay for that four-year right? And be making money for that whole period of time. Yes. So you got to look at that, that cost benefit analysis. Sure. Right. Yeah, so absolutely. Just think about it. Like think, even if it's going to trade first, like I did, mm -hmm. that paved my way and paid my way to have all of my advanced degrees. Mm -hmm. So that diploma has paid for everything I have up to my doctorate. Absolutely. So why not look into filling those employment gaps getting that diploma, going to school for 12 months, and then being able to work and provide for yourself and not be in $100,000 debt in, <laughs> sure. in six years' time. That's right. I mean, that there's a lot of people that are in a lot of, of debt for school. And, and maybe a degree that doesn't quite give you the opportunity to pay back some of that money as well. Yeah. You know, my husband went to school for, I think it was 10 months. By the time he was done, it was paid for in six months. You know, me, I'm going to be paying for it when I die. <laughs> the, <laughs> the doctor is <laughs> never going away. But that was a choice I made, right? Sure. I had this choice I made, but... Um, yeah, it's not to disparage that by any means. No, right? it is not because, you know, I chose a path and, and my path required me to have that degree. So, um, but like I said before, I could leave this job today and I could have a good paying job tomorrow on my diploma that I got 20 years ago. Yeah, that's fantastic. Amy, uh, thank you so much for, for stopping by. I hope you'll come back because there's a lot more to unpack on this this topic. And like I said, to, to me, this is one of my passions as well because I want to enable people to do good work and good work comes at the management level level, it comes at the, the floor level, it comes at the executive level. And there's different reasons for, for all of this. Trades is a huge portion. Uh, I want to make sure that we have skilled people in skilled trades, that they're taking care of everything else. So we'll, we'll get back, we'll circle back with you because I would love to, to talk more about this. Okay, thank you. It was great to be here. Oh, absolutely. All right. So thank you for joining in on Gear Talk. Uh, if you have any suggestions, comments, uh, please email us at podcast at nori.com. But we will be looking forward to joining you again soon.